Welcome to the Radio Oedipus podcast, the podcast where we explore the culture of beer. With me, your host, Danny Walker. Usually at the beginning of the show, I like to welcome new listeners. However, if you're a regular listener, and I know there are a few of you, a special welcome to you. And I want to hear from you. Send me a message to radio at oedipus.com, maybe with a beer that you've been enjoying at the moment or something you've liked or disliked about a show. Anything would be good to hear from you. If you are a new listener, check out an older episode by heading to oedipus.com forward slash radio. Today's show is all about cheese. If you know Amsterdam, you'll know that you won't walk for too far before finding a cheese store. Fromagerie Kef has been supplying Amsterdam with artisanal French and Dutch cheese for over 60 years. Its current owner, Marika van der Werf, offered to come to the studio with some cheese to educate me on all things fromage. We attempted a live tasting and Bass tried to pair some beers with the cheese. I hope you don't get too hungry while listening. As well as that, we drink a beer by Ursoup, and in the second part, I chat with Martha Resmini from Brasserie de la Seine about what's in her fridge. All that on today's Radio Oedipus podcast. Bas Visser, hi. Hello, welcome. Uh, welcome, thank you. Good start. It's good to see you, Bas, anyway. <laughs> and welcome to, show, to the show, Marika van der Werf. Hello. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Good, good. Marika is the owner of Fromagerie Kef, originally founded in 1953, if I'm correct there. Yeah, that's right. Cool. Kef is a fromagerie that opened, well, has, now has three stores, started with one store serving French and Dutch cheeses. Yeah, that's yeah. our specialty. Ah, nice. Uh, we're, we're all familiar with cheese, whether you like it creamy, salty, funky, or if you don't like it at all. Cheese is one of the oldest fermented foods and commodities in the world, which I found out uh, from doing my research. Today, we want to dive into the world of uh, artisanal Dutch cheese and also French cheese to learn a bit more about different styles, families of cheeses and the different characteristics in each and how to tell the difference between a good and a bad one. Marika has been kind enough to bring some cheese, which I'm looking at in front of me and my mouth is watering. Um... Yeah, and Bass is also going to try and pair some of these cheeses with beer. So we're excited to see how this show develops. Marika, first off, uh, we chatted on the phone before the show and you said you were a cheesemonger. What is that exactly? Um, I think I'm a cheese collector. Cheese collector. Yeah, and, and it, well, I think the best word in English is cheesemonger. Okay. Um, but I collect um, my cheeses all together to bring in good assortment. Oh, nice. Would that be similar to a wine collector? Would you... <laughs> Uh, maybe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a cheese curator. <laughs> oh, good cheese curator! <laughs> because of course I can bring in uh, uh, in my assortment about four hundred, five hundred cheeses if I want to, because we can all collect them. Uh, but it just, I think it's uh, special to um, to see if you can reach a certain quality, and we're never stopping the research for good quality. Ah, yeah, nice. And how did you get involved with Kef? Um, I. I fell into it oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a long story a bit romantic but uh actually i really fell into it it is this, this uh, little cellar on the marnikstraat it's the oldest shop and i used to have uh i was looking for a kitchen in amsterdam so i can uh, where i could make the products for the nordermarkt uh, where i was having my stand every saturday mm -hmm. and uh, i needed a space to prepare all the vegetarian uh recipes that I was making and selling mm -hmm. and uh, somebody uh, said there's a little cheese shop over there and maybe you can use their kitchen so actually 
it went like this. Yeah, okay. And how did the vegetarian uh, cooking develop? It went very well. (laughs) (laughs) But I sold that part of it. Okay. uh, Because after one year that I was using the kitchen, uh, the owner of the shop disappeared. Ah. Um, Well... Yeah, he disappeared. And then there was this cheese shop (laughs) under my kitchen. Uh, And I decided to to bring it back to life because it was uh, nearly dead. Ah, nice. Oh, well, it's good. It's good that you have because we wouldn't have this wonderful cheese in front of us. Me neither. Uh, Yeah, yeah, exactly. But before we do dive into this cheese and start tasting some of it, I just want to introduce the beer that we've got on the table today. We've got Orsoup Sergeant Pepper, Saison with Pink Peppercorns, 7% ABV. It's one you're familiar with, I think, Bass. I think I don't yep. I'm sure I've drank this before. Yeah, I tried it many times. Nice. Okay, so we're going to drink that as we try some cheeses. And yeah, so let's start off by cracking open the beer. And Marika, why don't you choose, a, choose the first cheese and, and tell us a little bit about it. Um, I think we, because I have to make a selection and when I brought it in, you were a bit overwhelmed. I saw it. Um, (laughs) Excited and uh, and overwhelmed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, of course we cannot taste all of them, but while we start tasting, I think it's nice to start with the softest uh, that I got. And I think it's nice to start with uh, some nice mashadu. It's one of the most uh, famous, famous raw milk uh, goat's milk type of camembert mm-hmm. um, and it's actually uh, it's made in Holland for a long time now by Hanneke Kuppens from Groningen uh, actually she lives in a little village near Lake and she uh, has a herd of 40 goats Oh wow! and we call her Hanneke and the 40 goats <laughs> um, and she is making this wonderful raw milk very subtle beautiful cheese and um, yeah, we've got a very nice ripe a variety of it. Yeah, and I think it, this is yeah nice to start with. And when you so um, the forty goats uh, farm <laughs> is that? It sounds like uh, uh, the the Simbad and the the 40. yeah 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 yeah. Also, yeah some, it starts like a fairy some tale, right? Storage, yeah. <laughs> is this like a is this like a regular yeah. setup or is it a very small farm in um, terms of? Yeah, comparison to other other suppliers. Well, I think she's one of the smaller. Uh, she has she has a small herd, mm-hmm. uh, and and actually she chooses for this because um, when she takes more animals and makes more cheese, for instance, she sees a variety. Um, or how do you say this? Uh, the the herd is starting. The herd is starting to split up. Okay. Because then you get like this, um, it's not connected anymore. And so she tries to do it as good and natural as she can. Mm. And because she has so much experience, I think she has noticed that it's very um, important to take care of her animals very well. Mm-hmm. And then she can do what she likes to do best. Mm-hmm. And that's, she's one of the small producers. Uh, and I know her for her very, very... Um, constant product yeah while milk is something seasonal the change is seasonal because the animals eat something different because something different is growing at that moment um but still she she knows the milk so well Mm -hmm. uh, that she makes this product very constant and uh, you still taste season Mm -hmm. but it's not not your cheese is not falling apart for instance Mm. she's really she's she knows her craftsmanship Mm -hmm. and this is something that really uh, 
uh, affects the quality of the cheese then, the the quality of the grass that basically the goats are getting and the environment that they're in? Yeah, while you're working with raw milk, Mm -hmm. uh, then you really can tell um, a difference. Uh, And it's still subtle, um, but I think uh, it, yeah, it brings you way more flavor. Um, I always compare it with wine. (laughs) If you have a a wine that comes to you uh, in one zip and you're like, oh, whoa, this is a a mouthful of taste. Mm -hmm. But then it finish very um, easily and very, it has a short taste. Uh, For instance, if you pasteurize your milk and uh, you make cheese out of that, you have a good taste in in advance, but later on it doesn't linger on. Okay, okay. And uh, I can tell that if you use like raw milk, there's so much more information, and it, uh, it's more, it's giving you so m- much more flavor. So many more, much more depth and layers. You yeah, would say to yeah, it. and it's okay. way more interesting. So it never is a dull thing to try. Okay. And for me, um, cheese. That is pasteurized can be uh, very good as well. Mm-hmm. And the craftsmanship, you can tell if, if if someone is a good cheesemaker, then you can tell it's a very good cheese and it ages nice and it's beautiful, but it still has not this, this long aftertaste. What's this, so what's the, what type of rind would you call this? This is funny because this is a, a, um, a rind that you will see normally on a brie or camembert yeah. and not on a goat's milk cheese. Yeah. But this is made from goat's milk. Um, but she is doing this for a long time now and you see a very thin layer of crust. And the smell is, yeah, it's very, yeah, yeah, very farm. Mm -hmm. Um, Mushrooms maybe. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's very, very creamy, but Mm -hmm. I I know what you mean by the lasting flavor. It, it kind of coats your mouth a little bit Mm -hmm. and yeah, it's just very milky and creamy. It's lovely. And, so and light, though, at the same time. It could be super rich and buttery mm-hmm. and creamy. Delicate in flavor. It's quite delicate. Mm. Uh, there's there's much to discover, but you really have to focus. Otherwise, you go past behind, uh, yeah, past all the flavors. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I see this beer working better. The okay, great. So when we're pairing a beer, Bass, what, with this cheese, what are we looking for in, in the beer? Mm, well, there are a couple of things that uh, you're looking for but for example if you're doing wine you're looking for the same mouthfeel often but that's the thing with uh, beer you have co2 the bubbles and they cut a bit through the fattiness so you uh, can play with contrasting mouthfeel and then it's more about uh, flavor intensity and of course flavors itself and well let's see uh, what's what's it doing over here oh wow yeah i think it really makes the cheese sing a little bit, actually. Yeah, it's, it's quite all right. Mm. It's, it's not perfect. There's some bitters coming out of the beer now that I don't like. It's giving the beer something creamy. Mm. Which is not in the beer. <laughs> mm. There's um, a milk sour in the beer, mm-hmm. which is uh, can be a bit milky as well. Mm-hmm. So that is maybe enhanced by the cheese. And how so? How old is this cheese? They talk a lot about aged cheeses, but this, with it being, this is a relatively six, young six cheese. To, six to seven weeks. Six to seven weeks. Okay, yeah. great. And is that typical for a similar camembert or brie? Are they, are they also around the same age? Mm, yes, about. But this is not typical camembert. This is more typical goat's cheese. A typical goat's cheese. But they made a camembert type out of goat's milk, so it might be ah. a, 
we don't have like one particular family here like camembert is white malt or brie is white malt cheese mm -hmm. but now they may she made it out of goat's milk cheese so mm -hmm. uh, so a goat's milk and then uh, actually you're crossing borders a bit okay okay <laughs> and it's actually um for more cheeses on the platter you have um uh, for red rind for instance that's a uh, uh, in french croute lavé so it's the, the outside of the cheese is washed with salty water mm -hmm. And um, normally it's done with a cheese and it makes it very strong, but you can do it also when the inside is rather crumbly and fresh and the outside is then washed. Um, then you get like uh, two, f two families together. So mm. it's lactic fermentation in the inside and washed rinds on the outside. Mm -hmm. And actually I like those, um, how do you say this? Different families mixed. Yeah, the antithesis and they kind of play off each other. Is that... That's when you kind of get a very smelly cheese, a very a strong aroma, but then the actual taste of it might be quite light as well, yeah, right? That's what I've found. Yes. Interesting. So there is a technique to eating a cheese board, right, isn't there? We've, we've started with the softest one. Yeah, we and started we're moving with, the, with the mildest. With the mildest one. Okay. Yeah. And then you move up. Uh, and of course, you have to look at uh, structure. Uh -huh. uh, you can uh, place uh, in a more classic way. You start with a young goat's milk cheese, and then you go to white mold, like mm -hmm. Brie Camembert type. And then you go to a hard cheese, mm -hmm. uh, and then a red rind, and then a blue. Well, this is classic, but you always have to look at the particular cheeses that you're picking. Because sometimes uh, I would say that we today we uh, end with a hard cheese because that is the strongest I have, and mm -hmm. otherwise you are ruining your um, <laughs> platter <laughs> a bit. But of course, it's always nice to just put it in this sort of uh, sort of order, and then later on you can always switch. It's not a rule, it's just, it makes the, the game of tasting way more fun. Okay. Um, because otherwise uh, you just uh, try everything all together, and uh, then you need to eat a lot of cheese too. Not make it a cacophony or something. Okay, okay, okay. So introduce the next one in the on the on the table. Um, the next one that we chose for is a seasonal cheese. Uh, it's yeah. very familiar. A lot of people know it. It's very famous. Uh, we just got it in again. Um, it's called uh, Mondor, or some people know it as Fagerin Mondor. It's a French cheese. Uh, as I said before, we are specialized in Dutch and French. Uh, cheeses and that's because the shop used to be the first place where you could buy French cheese. Mm -hmm. So I decided to make this com combination and not bring in uh, a lot of a lot more of um, all the cheeses that I can get. Uh, but for this cheese, we are always like looking forward in summer already. And as soon as the autumn starts, Mondor is coming in. Mm -hmm. And that's because from this area of the Jura, uh, the milk is used normally, the cow's milk is used to make uh, the most eaten cheese in France, and it's Comté. Yeah. Comté, um, the big wheels of Comté. Yeah. And the best milk uh, from summertime when the animals are outside. Mm -hmm. um, they make Comté, and while the herds are coming in, like uh, uh, for the winter period, they're of course in a stable, then they start to eat hay, and it's a uh, um, actually a very good thing to feed your animals with, but it brings you a different... Completely uh, different taste. Milk. 
Which so is the milk conti- compared to what? To, compared to grass. To, compared to grass. Yeah. Compared to grass milk. Yeah. So uh, the fats are higher, and it's another structure in the fat. So actually, they decided in this area to work seasonal and to make it in wintertime. They make a soft cheese, and in summertime, they make a hard cheese that they right. keep to ripen. Okay. Yes, yeah, so this is the only one on the platter with that needs a cup because it's uh, it's, so, it's so ripe and runny. It's actually uh, it not only needs a cup. This is only a quarter of the cheese. It also needs uh, the birch of a tree. Oh wow! Okay, so that's which, wood. Uh, that's wood around it, it uh, and it was uh, how do you say this? It was put in the sap of the tree. Oh, okay. So the taste of the tree is really in the cheese now. Oh wow! Interesting. Uh, There's hay flavor, hay milk flavors, and uh, <laughs> and wood. Yeah, wow. it's actually hay milk that gives it the creaminess. Yeah, and the wood that gives it also taste. Taste. Uh, what? So that's <laughs> bus is now <laughs> shouting out for cheese. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I really like runny cheeses. This is so nice. It's so funny because my father, yeah, is absolute worst thing in the world for him is cheese. Oh, right. If that, he already yeah. smells it, he already uh, starts to gag. I have a similar yeah. thing with my brother. <clears throat> yeah, just uh, hates to be in the same room as cheese. Yeah, yeah, my father as well. Yeah. I cannot order a blue cheese thing if we're together in a restaurant. Mm. I will be honest with you, uh, my husband has the same thing. No way. That's <laughs> yeah, even worse. Uh, <laughs> very curious. Yeah, <laughs> I, I found out because I'm fascinated by this. Um, he's working in my shop, obviously. But, really? uh No, but he uh, it's something that appears when you are a child. Mm-hmm. And uh, it brings you the idea that something went bad. Like the food that you're um, supposed to eat um, is not good anymore. Mm-hmm. And for kids that are so sensitive to smell and taste it brings them uh, the wrong uh, association yeah and it will not leave anymore and i can tell that my husband likes cheese now (laughs) oh really okay (laughs) but he only eats like the goat's milk cheese and the blue because it uh, for him it ends the spectrum yeah true yeah and it's because actually the fermentation in hard cheese really he doesn't like the structure and the smell of it, I mm-hmm. think. It really brings him back to this certain Rotten, association. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's <laughs> so fun that we like it all so much. You can like really have the gravings for cheese. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and for some people, they really hate it, as we know in our family now. Yeah, I yeah, guess. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Oh. The smell is it's almost like smoky bacon, I Mm-mm. think. That's what I get. And you have this cheese in a lot of varieties. Normally you can find them sometimes in supermarkets in the beginning of September. We always wait till half of October because then um, the taste is really in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have one uh, special maker. I really uh, think with the beer, so with the previous beer, we used a little bit of the the bubbles in the beer to have a contrasting mouthfeel, but here... The, the creaminess is so nice that you don't want to ruin the mouthfeel of the cheese. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't want a beer with a lot of sours or a lot of bubbles. Mm-hmm. But perhaps uh, the stout, which is on the table, might be a good one. Uh, it has bubbles still, uh, but at least it's not so sour. So it might be more embracing the the creamy mouthfeel. So let's right. uh, okay. let's test. You, you spoke a little bit about your relationship with the supplier of uh, the first cheese, but what kind of relationship do you have with all your suppliers talk me through the process of getting a cheese that like from france um, how, how do you have to travel to these farms 
And actually, I travel to these farms when uh, when we go out and go to France, yeah. for instance. But we have a relationship with an affineur, which is a cheese, not a cheesemonger, okay. but a cheese ripener. Okay. And uh, for our f- good French quality, we go to him. Um, because this is a family-owned business, mm-hmm. and um, uh, they have these relationships with the farmers for a long, long time now. Mm-hmm. And the father of um, this guy that I know very well, he uh, made this um, this special. Or he started this special uh, relationship with them, so they work together for a long time. And because those farms are pretty small and the production is so small um it's better for one that i have contact with only the affineur Mm -hmm. and i visit the farmers when i'm when it's possible Mm uh but for the collection every week for instance um we leave this to the affineur Mm -hmm. because actually he collects the cheese when they are very young uh because the the producent the farmer is making the cheese Mm -hmm. and then uh, he's bringing it to the special sellers and then they are ripened to their best or almost to that point. Mm-hmm. And then they send us uh, this palace of cheese mm-hmm. and then we sell it at the best point. So actually there's one step in between mm-hmm. and it's very nice to meet the farmers and to see how they are working. Uh, but it's not that romantic that I go to all the farms every week because that's impossible actually. Right. To To keep my my stock in constant good quality. Mm-hmm. Well, that's quite interesting. I'm, j- I'm just thinking in that there's already quite a few steps that can affect the quality of the cheese, right? Going back to the what the, it's fed, mm-hmm. the grass, and then developing that cheese, I guess it's, you might know more about it than me than developing that culture. Yes. Uh, and then there's the ripening, like you said, and then making sure it's sold at the right time mm-hmm. is... They're all crucial parts in in making sure that very important cheese is the quality. Yeah. Okay. And there's not not all those steps are in my hands. Yeah. But since I collect my I make my collection. Yeah. Then I can choose or always look for the best I can find. And for instance, it's maybe more clear if I tell you a bit about the production in Holland. Yeah. Because then. Uh, I know the makers and I'm not visiting my makers every week, mm-hmm. but you have this certain contact and you talk about how the cheese is. Uh, I make the translation actually between, we work with a lot of restaurants. Mm-hmm. So I make the translation between what the clients and the um, the chefs are talking about to the makers. To the farmers, okay. Yeah, and that's actually um, yeah, a very nice way of doing because then we stay in contact with how it comes to the table. What sort of conversations are you having in between these? Is it like, oh, actually, this cheese was way too funky for the customers, uh, uh, it needs to be aged less? Or what sort of conversations um, and feedback would you give? I'm not talking about the aging that much, but I tell them how it develops mm-hmm. and how people react on it. And, uh, for instance, um, if there... If, because I have this, yeah, that seems to be a bit strange, but I have a variety of taste in my head because I was brought up with the French cheese, because Mm -hmm. this is my background, really. Mm -hmm. And then I talk to them, like, I think it's nice if the the cheese is a bit out of balance, maybe we need a bit more salt of how can you do on this, or why is the cheese at the moment so runny? Well, normally in this time of year, it's like this, or... And I actually, by 
asking questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get my information and I tell them what people think of it. Mm. And I try to be, of course, um, subtle in this because it's a sensitive thing if somebody makes it's a craftsmanship Mm -hmm. but it's also so nice because i learned so much from them and it makes me humble because Mm -hmm. they are working with the animals seven days a week Mm -hmm. they're making cheese at least three to four even six days a week so it um uh, it's easier to translate to the chefs as well and how is how is your own personal taste developed was there anything that you wouldn't go near when you first started working at the shop, like in terms of uh, whether it's taste was too funky that now is one of your favorites? Um, No, I think I was uh, fascinated by the variety of what you can make from milk. And actually I'm still, I still am because it's so, it's such a, this is only a small part. Yeah. Um, But it's so much fun with you, how it can develop. And I'm, uh, I still can tell that there are so much things to learn about this process and about the developing of it and uh, uh, to discover. Mm-hmm. So, uh, have you tried ever tried to make your own cheese? Uh, no, I'm not a maker. <laughs> <laughs> I like to cook, but yeah. I've seen that uh, making cheese is somewhere maybe uh, in between baking mm-hmm. and cooking, perhaps, because you need to be very precise. And um, it's, I know now a lot and I know how to uh, appreciate it, mm-hmm. but uh, no, I feel too shy to make my own. <laughs> okay, yeah, just leave it to professionals. Yeah, I have think it's, the... it's so much fun to look at and to <clears throat> see how they are doing, but to make it myself, um, oh, maybe once. Maybe, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, this beer is Madeleine, it's our Bock beer, and it's actually a Madeleine of last year, so it's uh, aged, and it also has a, bit, have a, has a bit of a port aroma because of the oxidation, but it fits the beer quite well, and I think it's slightly overpowering with the cheese, but the... The, the mouthfeel of both the cheese and the beer really go well together and also a bit of the caramel and the of the beer and the wood kind of uh, flavors in the cheese. I uh, Yeah, this one I like the most. Let's move on. Let's move on to the next cheese. I'm curious because now we're moving from soft to hard, right? There are a few different hard cheeses we've got in front of us. Which one are we going with, Marika? Um, of course, I want to let you try them all. Uh, <laughs> and you, uh, it was funny, I, when I brought them in, you told me, oh, those are the more traditional ones. Well, actually, they're not. Okay. Um, because this is more the new variety that's appearing in Holland at the moment, because you have, um, there is a certain um, thing going on in Holland and on the cheese making uh, cheese revolution is, it, is, it like, is there like it's, a rise in, in cheese production definitely. in the Netherlands okay. uh, the variety is now, in the variety yeah because of course our tradition is in hard cheese and actually there is a point on this because mm. this, uh, the reason is actually that is um, uh, we have a very humid climate yeah. and there was this way we tried to keep this very um, special product milk for a little longer than one day and then uh, in Holland, the tradition is to make it, uh, to work on the milk so you can get a hard cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can keep it for longer, so you can stock it. And normally, and there was only milk in summertime and in winter, because then 
I, I will explain this a bit. I need to. <laughs> yeah, you should. No, we're curious about <laughs> in this. In springtime, there was this calf that was born. And then you had this beautiful grass milk uh, because the animals were walking outside. And then during the... Uh, during the summertime, there was milk. But in wintertime, when the people uh, <coughs> needed their food mm -hmm. uh, even more, there was no milk left because when the calf was getting bigger and uh, was grown, um, the cows stopped giving milk. Okay. And there was also a reason they could not, could not transport the milk because when, the, when there was ice, for instance, they mm -hmm. cannot bring their fresh milk to... Town, production, production to okay. town to anything um so then they stopped milking the cow and then the milk was not there anymore um so they decided when there was more milk in summer and they made uh, cheese for winter period mm -hmm. so that's actually the reason where why there's cheese and why there's cheese made like this in holland okay so hard cheese is very familiar to us, but yeah, yeah. what you see now at the moment, of course, we have. Um, but it was these very kind of creamy uh, cheeses, kind of thing, very milk forward, not really anything that funky or anything, really. Yeah, actually, there was oh, because there? Okay. the funkiness out of the last cheese that we were going to try is because they first make butter, okay, and so the fattiness out the, out of the milk was gone. Uh, because they used it and it was the most rich part. And then the undermilk, as you call it, they made uh, cheese with herbs in it, like comine uh, uh, yeah. or uh, cumin or um, even cloves, mm -hmm. which is very strong, but it also works as a preservative on cheese. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you couldn't even keep your cheese longer. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, actually there is a whole reason uh, it's a, it has a historical background why cheese is like this in Holland. Right, right. Um, but what you see now at the moment is they start to uh, work with different cow breeds, for instance. Mm -hmm. Normally in Holland we want to do this efficiently. So we have these black and white cows, they give a lot of milk. But uh, to be honest, their milk is not as rich as they, it can be. So, uh, oh, that, that it was? Yeah, it's, the, it's more about quantity. Okay. And they give a lot. But the taste is not there. It's just right. meant to be milk and, okay. uh, for production. Uh, but if you make a cheese that lasts longer, that ages like this, uh, and you use the milk from another cow breed, uh, then the, the cheese is way more rich because they, uh, this different cow brings, a breed brings more fattiness to the milk or even more yeah, flavor and well, let's try the let's try the. Shall I let you try the different cow breed? Yes, yeah. <laughs> let's let's do it since we spent a lot of time talking about that. I'm curious about We're it. Going for the remaker, or not? For the remaker, toch? Yeah. Yeah, that's one of my favorite cheeses. All oh, right. Then I let you try two different ages. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, the, um, he also uh, because uh, the, uh, these cows have horns, right? Which also <laughs> lets on because he feels like he wants to have everything as natural as possible. True. Yeah, it's actually so so nice to visit um, makers because they have their own, um, definitely their own experience about um, breeding their cattle, but also uh, making the cheese and everything. And uh, this is a maker you can spend hours with because he's telling you about the layers in the ground, about the horns, uh, the, the cows wow. that are wearing their horns about his stable which has a certain form wow uh about everything actually and mm. um 
actually please go there for once because it's so interesting yeah and, that, and that's what makes them like a craftsman craftsman yeah. almost isn't it it's yeah, like and the, it gives like you so the much information about yeah. and you even the, the even the cheese tastes different after so such story because you, you know so much more about the, the background mm. the milk is very rich they only give in their best time they give 18 liters a day and when you think of Friesian Holstein that are Bread, bread for their milk. They in their best days they give up to forty liters. But uh, yes, but it smells very buttery, very grassy. I think. So, what are you thinking? What would we? What would we be drinking? Well, let's know? first compare it with. Oh the, yeah, the older, uh, with, yeah, yeah. Sure. Let's go for it. I cannot okay. <laughs> <laughs> give it to you. Mm. You have also this nice crunch of the amino acids. Most people think it's uh, salt. Salt, yeah. but it is not. No, uh, you were referring to the English words for it. I amino think. acid. Amino acid. Yeah, um, uh, amino zero. But it's actually yeah. So it's the um, the protein that starts to crystallize. Actually. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And, and how, does happens, this how does this affect the flavor? I think it it gives you uh, more intensity. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, in a wheel of Gouda cheese, um, it starts to appear after eight months. Mm -hmm. And then um, uh, this is aged over one year. So mm -hmm. then it really appears. And I think it gives you the intensity. And people talk about it as it is um, a smack for sterker. I don't know how you call it. <laughs> yeah, it enhances flavor. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's. And what would we be drinking with a yeah so we have penty here which is a normal stout and i think it's already quite good <clears throat> so penty is a beer which also has some umami notes and therefore you have a flavor link but we could also go for kinder yoga that's an imperial stout yeah. and then you can maybe even pair it better but this one is already super nice and uh, with the young uh, version with the saison with sergeant pepper that's indeed a nice one uh it becomes the beer becomes more peppery okay cool um and and it also plays a little bit with his creaminess which uh, because the beer is quite is bitter mm -hmm. and the creaminess of the cheese uh it gives balance to the to yeah. the Definitely. to the bitters delicious nice and it's a nice beer this i like i like yeah. this it's a very easygoing saison quite dry um but full but full yeah or soup from uh, Nijmegen. They make a lot of beers that are kind of like this, also hoppy ones and also um, funky and sour ones, right? You, maybe you yeah. know you know a bit more about uh, Yeah, they have a special beer line. Uh, and I don't know what the name of it is, but they have some super nice ones that are... Uh, they, they also have their own cool, sh uh, cool ship, mm. so they can make their own spontaneous fermented beers. But uh, this beer is already uh, one of their core beers... Since the beginning, I think, or at least from fairly, very, very early on. But uh, no, it's, I think it's a super decent saison. And yeah, with the cheese, it makes it even better. Yeah, exactly. Delicious. So, young Raymaker and starting pepper or soup. All right. I think we've got time to talk about uh, one more cheese. <laughs> wow. Really? <laughs> Yeah. And now it depends if you want to end up with blue cheese or you want to end up with spi yeah, spicy cheese. 
So the next one we're trying uh, uh, that Marika has pointed out is a very strange looking cheese. It's like, <laughs> in my opinion, I don't think I've seen a cheese like that. It's, oh, it looks very, very hard. It has a rind. It has quite some, uh, yeah, it's very dark yellow, uh, orange, brown color. Yes. And quite a lot of, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to describe it the best way I can. I'm not, I'm not an artist, so I can't, I'm not very good at visually explaining it, but there's quite a lot of detail going on there as well, isn't there? Yeah, it's called Friese Nagelkaas. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's one of the most traditional products in Holland. Is it Nylander? Uh, no, it's not, actually. Okay. It's more traditional even. Um, and it's, uh, did I tell you about the Endermilk <laughs> already? Mm. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, actually, uh, Friesland, Friesland was known for uh, not very rich meadows. Mm-hmm. Um, so the cows were not fed totally properly mm-hmm. and they didn't give the very rich milk. Um, so what they uh, did is actually they uh, made butter from the cream of the milk. Um, and then they, you have this under milk, mm-hmm. which is almost... There is almost no fat. And then they add cumin and cloves. Okay. And that was actually uh, also a preservative for the cheese. So you could uh, keep the cheese longer even. And there was this story um, that our nation got uh, so far over the oceans. Because uh, as soon as all the... Uh, food on the ships was eaten there was still the cumin cheese mm-hmm. um <laughs> because, because nobody liked no it. one liked it <laughs> <laughs> because it lasted <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and of course there's uh also the historical thing about this is that cloves from indonesia got to holland and uh, so it's a combination of our background, mm-hmm. actually. Okay, great. But it's funny that you're so surprised by its appearance, because for me, this is the cheese that was lying in our fridge every week. It looks like, oh, since really? I was young. Okay. Yeah. Because this looks like a cheese that maybe hadn't originally looked like that. Maybe a, a cheddar that would been stuck at the back of a student's <laughs> fridge. For, uh, for three years. I, that's I, maybe where it looked familiar for I me. I do understand, but that's why I realize... Uh, f- for me, how local this is, because this is something, yeah, we always had this cheese. Ah, interesting. And, and perhaps interesting. not specifically this one, but the, the appearance of, uh, for sure. Okay, so who, who, would tr- who would traditionally eat this? Is this every household or is this specific to the region you're from or... Um, well, I'm par- partially, partly, partly Frisian. Okay, okay. <laughs> so uh, actually it was not in our household since I told you that I was not brought up with cheese, but my grandparents had this cheese. Okay. And I think it's um, very nice to bring this cheese back uh, under uh, everybody's spotlights because it's so traditional and it's so nice to pair. Okay, And right. it's, uh, it's meant to be uh, crumbly like this. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, let me know what you think. And of it that. has got it has got cumin in you. Cumin is there and cloves. Oh, so both are in there. Okay. Yeah. Very curious. That's and very low fat skimmed milk. Okay. And what would that do to the cheese then? <clears throat> it makes it even drier. Even drier. Yeah. When you want to work with raw milk, your um, dairy uh, how do you say, your dairy needs to be close. Because then it's close to where the fresh milk is coming from. Mm-hmm. For instance, you cannot bring together um, from different herds. So the production is always small. Mm-hmm. Um, because you need to 
work with this raw milk uh, almost immediately. Uh, even you don't have to cool it down and start to, wor- to work with it uh, uh, as soon as possible. So it already has like the natural cultures in it. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. And if you want to keep them and you want to use them for your uh, for your cheese, then you start to make cheese immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, when you want to collect milk altogether with different herds, um, then you cool down your milk and bring all the milk together and then bring it to 72 degrees. So uh, then you heat it up for only a few seconds. And then um, part of all the... Uh, bacterias are killed so but you make another zero point so Mm -hmm. then you have to add um flavor actually again that's pasteurization yeah pasteurization is like this and um yeah uh, it's actually uh it's making it easier um, to work to work with uh, more milk Mm -hmm. Uh, and your product on the end will be constant Mm -hmm. always the same because you have to work on the milk again. Mm-hmm. Mm. And skimmed milk, for instance, uh, there's traditional, normally, uh, when you leave milk, when you leave fresh milk to stay, then all the fat particles are coming like um, to the top. Mm-hmm. And you can like get it off and make butter out of it by uh, beating it up. Yeah. Um, and the under milk, as I told you about, uh, you can use, um, uh, for instance, to make skimmed or even low-fat cheese. And because of the taste is actually in the fat, if you leave the fat out, then you need to do something. Mm. So uh, actually, that's that's why low-fat cheese most of the time is not that tasteful. Yeah, because I'm really not getting much of the any of the similar notes that I'm getting from this one. It's all clove and cumin. <laughs> now is. Is, is this to say because maybe skimmed milk <clears throat> is a uh it's, it's less of a quality product is this maybe a cheese that is maybe a bit more of a working class family uh kind it of was cheese not, it was not the expensive cheese of yeah. course but um because you would keep it for a long time as well it's maybe what families would have during winter during winter time Mm-mm. okay yeah that's true and actually uh i don't see it as a low it's actually a very high quality product, but it's not that known anymore. And because we can get everything uh, out of the supermarket, for instance, yeah. and a lot of people don't know it anymore. And it might taste to you uh, a bit strange, mm-hmm. but for us, it's bringing back, uh, I think, memories. Yeah. Uh, because it's, it's a particular taste that you will not find that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I, actually, I, I really uh, appreciate this yeah, old traditional stuff that is uh, made uh, locally. And how do you, you'll probably know more about it than I do, how do you view the difference in between what you sell in the shop and what is available in the supermarkets? Yeah. Because you can see cheese with cumin uh, herbs in, in sure. the Yumbo. Right? In the Yumbo, and, and of course, and, that's, and you can find it, mm. and that's probably because people like... Um, Cumin cheese, mm. but cumin cheese, for instance, is not like Leidse Boerenleidse Sleutelkaas, which yeah. is a farmer's cheese, uh, because this is skimmed milk, and in the supermarkets, it's just um, full-fat Gouda cheese with cumin. Okay. So it's actually, it does not have anything to do with the tradition out of it. Mm-hmm. And... Um, 
just process. It's process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and of course it's nice and if you you want this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I I find that if you know the background of these makers and you know the background of the cheese and I think um what I've noticed is that people come to our shops and they come again mm-hmm. because I think we are putting out an, a different note of cheese. Cheese is actually there's one funny part about cheese as long as it's runny as long as i post for instance uh, a a photograph of a runny cheese then everybody likes it because it really brings you something like oh yes yeah (laughs) but i think on the end if you have runny cheese from raw milk it will even bring you more uh, Mm. and also gives you you don't have to eat a lot from it it's giving you so much and it's so generous, mm. um, and that's what I like, and that's why I like to work with small productions because it's uh, so much fun. Let's uh, so just because I'm aware of time. What is the last beer we're going to be drinking with this yeah, uh, beautiful cumin cheese? You don't know? No, that's <laughs> so, too overwhelming. Yeah, so we did. Maybe uh, we need Yennefer. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go super traditional. We, we, yeah, uh, we we uh, so I once paired our own IPA with um, with another cheese like this but this cheese is different and the beer changed as well um and i'm i don't think we will find one which we have here okay well maybe let's just because i think the cheese is delicious maybe let's just let it sing all on its own yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. i can think this cheese can finish it all yeah it's so nice to um to pair cheese with um, beer lovers yeah okay uh, to be honest, sometimes uh, even more fun than to pair them with um, wine lovers. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. <laughs> because uh, it's it's more as if there's more openness to the cheese, and there's more openness to different opinions because it's uh, really about uh, the beer and the cheese, and not about what people think they know. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So uh, I've, I've noticed this several times, and it's so much fun. Oh, great. Well, that's, I'm really happy you've come on the show to do this. Thanks a lot. No worries. Thank you very much, Marika. Yeah. Thank you, Bas. Thank you. Thank you both. It was, was wonderful. All right. <laughs> catch you soon. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. It's time for the second part of the show. A few weeks back, I chatted with Marta Resmini from Brasserie de la Seine in Brussels. Martha is responsible for beer sales in Belgium. Brussels, like Amsterdam and many other European cities, are in some kind of lockdown, meaning the sales of beer is a little bit tough. I hoped by chatting with Martha I was able to give her somewhat of a distraction from all that. We chatted via Zoom where she told me about some of the beers she'd been drinking recently. So here it is. Martha Respini, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. So you work for Brasserie de la Seine, which is based in Brussels. It's great to chat with you. How long have you been with Brasserie de la Seine? So I've been working for Brasserie de la Seine for five years now. Yeah. And how has your taste in beer changed since working in Brussels and being surrounded by some of the most interesting breweries in Belgium? Yeah, so I, I've been working for La Seine since 2015, but I've been living in Belgium for 12 years now. Okay. So I actually arrived in uh, Leuven and then in Brussels, so between 2008 and 2010. And even before, when I uh, was living in Italy, uh, I came in contact with many Belgian beers. So this is what uh, people are drinking in Italy too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was mainly like the classics, like Trappist beers, uh, like what they call Abbey beers, mm-hmm. triples, um, like 
more classical Belgian beers. But so when I started working for Brasserie de la Seine, um, I knew La Seine beers because I started working for them because I would go to the brewery, buy my beers for home. And then the bosses uh, once asked me whether I was interested in working for them. Mm -hmm. Because I knew the beers, I was speaking different languages and I knew Brussels bars and they needed someone to do the sales in Brussels. Mm-hmm. So I knew the beers already. And I, at the same time, I was really discovering a whole uh, world of a new craft beer. Because when I arrived in Belgium, the first things you drink are really the classical, also more industrial Belgian beers. Because, yeah, just the power of advertisement. Eh? When you, you, just, you, you just arrive in Belgium. So what was the most recent beer that you drank? The most recent beer would be Zinnabier. Zinnabier, okay. Yeah, because Zinnabier is always in my fridge. And so I drink it very often. Is there a beer that recently has impressed you as well? Yeah, so a beer that impressed me lately is West Mallet Triple. All right, okay, classic. And I will tell you why. So it sounds silly, you know, because everybody knows West Mallet Triple. Everybody probably drank West Mallet Triple in the beer world. And but I think that many people might forget this kind of beers easily as well. So there are beers that are even sold like in supermarkets. They have a big distribution, but they're still like authentic Trappist products, authentic Belgian beers, very well made. And so sometimes, you know, um, when we are taken in this, in this crazy craft beer world where people brew beer with marshmallows or even spare ribs or, uh, you know, like all kinds of stuff, Sometimes we forget really the, the authentic taste of authentic, just traditional beers. And uh, so I think beer is also about authenticity, um, simplicity of the products you use to make a really good, tasty product. And also, if you're talking about West Malay, you're not talking about only simplicity, but complexity, given by a certain use of the yeast, of course, and a, a tradition in this beer. You know, there is so much storytelling to do about yeah, the yeah. tradition of this beer. And so... What I mean about like new beer that impressed me is like more talking about a beer that I forgot for a long time. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I, I started to rediscover again. And uh, that happens to me often. Do you have a beer that you always go back to, one that has a certain nostalgic beer for you? If you talk about nostalgia, I would say Montestella from Birificio Lambrate. Okay, yeah. Which is... Um, like a very light blonde beer. It's like one of their really their their first core products. Huh? And uh, I started really drinking beer in Milan with Birificio Lambrate. And I love that beer as the other beers of the brewery because it's a brewery that proposed a product that was craft in a period in which people didn't know what craft beer was about. And at the same time, it's a craft product that doesn't scare people off, you know, mm-hmm. because sometimes people that are used to more like commercial industrial products are like i don't like craft beer because it's weird because it like it smells it has a mm-hmm. weird taste it's hazy like it's it's weird and and it's just because you know sometimes people just don't brew a good product or they want to do something too weird mm-hmm. you know and so what i loved about lambrate it was that it was craft without being weird I think I would go back to a good Montestella from Lambrate as my nostalgia beer. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> ah, that's great. I think it's a really good beer selection. So thanks for chatting to me. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Radio Oedipus podcast. And thanks to Marika, Bass, and also to Martha. 
Like discussed, pairing beer and cheese is great fun. From Azure Kef do amazing packages where you can pay a certain amount for a selection of cheese. So head over to their website or drop into one of their shops. Next week we chat with Sander and Erwin from Van Mol about beer blending. Remember to check out previous episodes of the podcast by heading to udipus.com forward slash radio and by searching Radio Udipus on your podcast app. The podcast is available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And remember to like and subscribe to keep up to date. The music on today's show is written and composed by Ola iMusic. And tune in next time for more explorations into the culture of beer. Beer.